0: One, ChatGPT can't give consent. It can't say, oh yeah, I'd like to be cited in that article or I want to be a co-author in this. No, it's just a tool. Why would I say Grammarly is my co-author? Same thing. And then the other part is that I can't hold ChatGPT accountable for something. If there's something wrong in the write-up, if there's something wrong in the essay, in any of the citations, in any of the data, any of that, I can't go to ChatGPT and say, hey, this is your fault. No, it's my fault as the author, as the one that was using this tool.
1: We are entering part two of a two-part series on digital storytelling and generative AI with higher ed guests, Dr. Jen Bennett and Dr. Brent Anders. If you haven't heard part one, pause this episode here and catch the last episode. Otherwise, I'm gonna turn the mic over to my colleague, Dr. David Swisher, to continue this timely, thought-provoking conversation.
0: One other aspect here is the idea of the AI itself, right? So if we're talking about ChatGPT, Sure, we can say bias in general, because it's only as good as the data that it's trained on. So we have to know the data sources for it, but also the AI implementation can introduce bias in itself. So, Chat GPT is very much structured to try and not to offend anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So, that means that they have some very specific guardrails that they're putting. In. Now, there's already been multiple articles talking about how these guardrails seem to be slanted a bit towards the left, but in general, the guardrails are in place. So, that in itself, though, can create bias because if it's not allowing me to go in a direction because it's worried about offending me, well, if the truth is going to offend me, and they put up a guardrail, well, now I don't have access to the truth. So, again, the guardrails themselves, the way that that AI is being implemented, that could cause some limitations as well.
2: And I noticed that when I was playing around with Dally, too. I'm doing a presentation in a couple of weeks on John Wesley's use of innovation and technology. And so I wanted Dally to come up with an image of John Wesley on horseback using technology. And it came close, but I found out later one of the rules that Dally has is that it can't use real images or portray real people. So even though there were dozens of actual pictures of John Wesley, it had to make things up in a similar way. And every now and then it would come up with weird things. Like I had a great picture of Wesley sitting in front of a laptop, but his eyes were closed, which doesn't make any sense to a human. And so – You have to have that critical thinking skill of close, but not quite. And it took maybe a dozen attempts playing around before I found an image I was really satisfied with. So, along the same lines, then, what do you see as the greatest benefits and potential of working with generative AI?
0: One of the big things that I see with this, like Jen, I'm very into this technology, partially because of what I see that it can do, but I'm very much forward thinking. And I know you have a question later on, I'm sure that's going to be our future thoughts. But so I'm just really interested in how this is going to play out what's the future going to hold for this but even now with its current capabilities i see this as being a very powerful empowering tool for the student there's lots of different cases of students using chat gpt not for the thing that most professors want to gravitate to and saying oh it's going to write my essay for me that's sure that's a one capability that it could be used for but so many students have been talking about how they've gone in and were able to use ChatGPT as this additional person, as like a a study buddy, as a co-pilot to continue to learn the the class itself. So if I'm an instructor and I give you all this information in class and you don't get it, well, you might have enough courage to come and talk to me if I'm an approachable instructor, but if I'm not, well, now you're on your own. Well, not anymore, because you have ChatGPT. You can go and chat GPT and ask it, can you explain this to me again at a lower level? Can you explain it to me as if I'm in high school, as if I'm in elementary school? Okay, now that I got it, because I asked you to explain it to me as if I'm a five-year-old, now let's walk back up. Now explain it to me as a high school. Now explain it to me because I'm taking this college-level class. Okay, you know what? I still don't get it. Can you give it to me as an analogy? Can you give me five more examples of this? All these tools and capabilities that now the student has, they're empowered to do all this because they have access to this additional study buddy that won't get frustrated because I keep asking it questions. So it's kind of a revolutionary in the capabilities that the future holds for education. with
1: I see it too as a great like brainstorming tool that will help you like you put things in and it will give you ideas ideas you didn't even consider and then how can you take those ideas and go even deeper, how can you take those ideas and think even more critically how can you take those ideas and add your creative spin to it. And so I think that's one of the greatest benefits and potential is that like you were saying, Britt, it's almost like this study tool. It's like your brainstorming study tool for me that will help you brainstorm ideas. And then you can take those ideas and move them to the next level.
2: Right, It's very much a thinking tool or a partner in collaboration. So Jen, you've done quite a bit of work with social media and influencers. How can influencers today be different and influential with AI driving so much of our experience?
1: Yeah, question that I would ask is what makes you, you? lean into that. Here's the thing. AI cannot build relationships for you. It can't build your communities for you. There is still that human component that people want. And so I would really encourage influencers and those who are online to really make sure that you are out there building out your thought leadership. Because the reality is, people want to know what you think. They want to read your thoughts. They want to hear your thoughts. They want to know your insights. They want to read about your opinion. They want to hear about your opinion, your point of view. And so I would really encourage online leaders, influencers, offline leaders to really lean into that because AI Can't take away your voice. It can't take away your thought leadership. So that would be the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing is continue to network. This is something I share with my students all the time, like start building out relationships with people now get to know people. A.I. can't do that for you. A.I. cannot collaborate for you. So connect with people, engage with people, be curious, ask questions. There is nothing I believe that will replace that networking component, that connection component, that collaboration. And so build out your thought leadership, connect with people, engage with people.
2: One of the reasons that we were interested in this topic to begin with is iwoo is well aware of a need for digital storytelling and digital marketing and exploring how best we can meet that need for the community. If I were considering a career or advancement in digital marketing or storytelling, does it make sense to pursue a degree or certificate in these fields or is AI going to change everything by the time I would graduate?
1: I would say, go for it. I mean, when I think back to my college days, we had microfiche. Do you guys remember microfiche, where you look through the microscope, and then we had the card catalog and the library, like, Research was hard when I was in college. And we didn't have social media when I was getting my communication degree. Like We didn't have any of that. And yet my degree still prepared me very well for the work that I was being led into. So my thoughts are, yes, still go after it because the truth of the matter is our world is changing at a rapid pace. Technology is moving at a very fast rate. And we don't know exactly how things are going to look 10 years from now, probably even five years from now. When I was in college, we had no idea, Google and social media and all of that. And so, yes, I would say still go after the degree and just know that when you get your degree, life is going to change. The world's going to change. And again, you just keep moving along with those changes. So I say embrace it, go for it. It's
2: great advice. So for both of you, what do you think the future of digital storytelling and digital marketing holds when generative AI can now create viable artwork, write stories, and even develop marketing collateral?
0: Yeah. So I think exactly what Jen is talking about. There's still going to be a need for this human element, even if it gets to a point where, yeah, now I can write really good copy. It can do stories, all sorts of things. That might mean that there's going to be less of those jobs, but there's still going to be those jobs. So there's still going to be now it's going to be even more important for that individual to have that AI literacy because they're going to be asked to do more. You know, they're still going to have that job, but they're going to be required to do more and at a faster rate because they have these tools. So I have students right now that they graduate and they're being asked to use AI right now. It's not a future thing, this is a right now. So this is one of the main reasons why I turn to all my instructors that when I give classes on a Center for Teaching and Learning and I tell them the importance of AI literacy, even if you don't particularly like AI, because I have some instructors that are kind of hesitant, said, even if you don't like AI, you still need to bring it up. You still need to talk about it. You still need to engage your students in this understanding because this is a skill that they need to have now as soon as they graduate. It can't be one of those things where we're thinking about, oh, that's a future implementation. No, right now when they graduate, they need to have those skills. So if we're at the university and we forbid, we ban AI, now we're not preparing them for the real world. We need to do it in the proper logical way. There still needs to be academic integrity. But it needs to be incorporated in the things that we teach. They need to know when to use AI, how to use AI, and to use it effectively as well.
2: And I was looking at some stats earlier this week about the exponential rise in investment in AI, particularly from the United States and China. But there's Mm -hmm. at least half a dozen other countries that are investing heavily in AI as well. So that's the future our students are going into. Oh, yeah. So this one isn't on your, your notes, but I want to surprise you with a question here. Should we acknowledge or give credit to generative AI when
0: we use it? Oh boy. Jen, you want to go first? I I was going to say, Brent, you want to go
1: first? (laughs) Okay.
0: So so I think an interesting (laughs) way to think about this, I'll give you my response, but there's a real world situation that recently occurred where there was a school shooting and a university used ChatGPT to help write its email. Now, regardless of the contents of the email, which I thought the content of the email was fine. It wasn't particularly super duper, but it was fine. At the bottom, they felt compelled to state that parts of this email were paraphrased from the Chat GPT AI. Okay. So the person that wrote this email received lots of backlash from lots of different people. And I went on Twitter. I got really big on Twitter with Chat GPT. So I went on Twitter to see what people were talking about it. Most people were against it. I went on LinkedIn where I first read about it. Most people were Against it. I I saw a couple different news things about it. Man, they were really against it, right? My view on this is why? Why are you against it? Why would you be against it in the least bit? Well, the biggest argument for being against this is that, oh, they're just trying to do a boilerplate response. They're just using some system to do the work for them so that they don't have to do anything. To me, I'm like, why would you automatically assume that in any way? And what's really the difference between anything that they would have done as far as just looked online to find something and then maybe paraphrase it and put it on them but no the fact is that because the person put ChatGPT ai at the bottom people automatically jumped to this and i want to say that this is sort of the older crowd but a lot of the people that were against this were in their 20s 30s so it wasn't necessarily an age thing but i think it is still sort of a bias thing thinking that if I use Chat GPT, I'm not doing the work, that I'm not part of it. But again, that's 100% wrong because I'm prompting it. And it said paraphrased. So that means that they looked at it and then took some components. So again, I still see no difference between doing that and working with somebody else. I paraphrased from what you said. But again, we still have these conceptions, these thoughts about it. Now, the other part about this is that there are several journal articles that are out right now that have Chat GPT listed as one of the authors, right? I think that's 100% wrong. The reason for that is two things dealing with Chat GPT. One, Chat GPT can't give consent. It can't say, oh, yeah, I'd like to be cited in that article or I want to be a co author in this. No, it's a, just a tool. Why would I say Grammarly is my co author? Same thing. And then the other part is that I can't hold Chat GPT accountable for something. If there's something wrong in the write-up, if there's something wrong in the essay, in any of the citations, in any of the data, any of that, I can't go to ChatGPT and say, hey, this is your fault. No, it's my fault as the author, as the one that was using this tool. So I can't say that as saying, hey, ChatGPT is wrong, not me. No, it's all me. I'm the one that created it. In the same way, I think it's incorrect to say, oh, and my source was ChatGPT. ChatGPT isn't a source. ChatGPT uses sources. It's a tool that creates content. So again, uh, I mean, I could see where maybe if it's like an instructor who's saying, hey, for your assignments, I want you to tell me if you're using ChatGPT and I'm allowing you to use it in the first place, maybe then it's okay to say, oh, parts of this were written with this. Otherwise, and I don't say this was written with Word or this was wit- written with Grammarly. Grammarly helped me a lot because I ran it through it multiple times because I'm terrible at spell checking. But no, I don't say that. I'm the one that's accountable. Me, I'm the one. So it needs to be correct. It needs to be right. And I'm whatever tool I use, it's still me. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And again, when I spell it out, it makes a lot of sense, I think, to a lot of people. But a lot of people initially don't have those views. They're just adamantly against. They see it as no that's doing everything for you but it's it's not
1: yeah i agree with that i had an experience with a student who wrote something from chat gpt and so we talked about it and i mentioned to the student i'm totally okay with using it as a tool to brainstorm your ideas and your thoughts but i want your thought leadership in what you are writing i want you to share what you think your ideas your opinions and so for me, I think, again, that's where it comes. Like if you're just taking a straight copy from chat GPT or anything like that, like that's a big red flag. We, nobody right. should be doing that. But again, if you're using it as a tool that can in turn help you think deeper, help you think more creatively and help you then process your own thought leadership and share your own opinion. I feel like that's where the difference comes in.
2: Yeah. We're kind of dancing around the edge of this already, so I'll go ahead and go there. Ethical considerations should Christians be thinking about when they're using generative AI a lot to assist in developing creative projects? And those projects could be design, writing, marketing, or teaching.
1: Mm, yeah you know, thinking through this question, I kind of took it from a different perspective. And here's the thing that I have really been thinking a lot about is that our God is a creative God. And the reality is each one of us have been made in his image. And so if God is creative, then we have some creativity in us too. And I think for many of us, we tend to think that we have no creativity in us, that, okay, I can't do this. I can't come up with my own creative ideas. So I'm just going to lead on this tool a 100%. And so I know that in my own life, I believe that. I'm like, well, I must not be creative if all I can do is draw stick figures or I don't use this kind of wording or language. And so again, I think for us as Christians, we can use it as a tool. But it's also just a matter of finding that creativity that has been instilled in us. And so AI can't produce the deep, life-moving creativity that can assist us in our design, our writing, our marketing, and our teaching. Our stories are creative, our experiences are creative. And so when we allow ourselves to dig deep, we can then find creative ways to share those things from a perspective that AI could never do. And so ethically, when I think about this again, I see it as use it as a tool to help you move forward. But when it comes to that deep work, that deep creativity, allow God to bubble that up in you because it's there, even though you may not think it's there. You do have creativity within you. It's just a matter of leaning into it and believing that it's there and utilizing it.
0: Right. Okay. So I have an interesting story with this, right? So I read that question. And then I started thinking about it, and I had lots of different ideas, different perspectives. So I called to my daughter, my other daughter. She's 18. Her name is Yeva, means Eve in Armenian. So I called to her, and I said, hey, come over here. Uh, I want to bounce some ideas off of you. Well, she was busy at the time, so I couldn't uh, bounce my ideas off of her. So I was like, man, I wish I had someone that i could bounce some ideas off of so then i thought about my new friend ChatGPT, gpt of course so i posed the exact question with the exact wording i didn't modify the prompt in any way i posed it to ChatGPT, and i asked it the response that i got was so interesting just in the way that it formulated the response listen to the response i i wrote down just part of it here to share with you it says as christians There are several ethical considerations we should keep in mind. Did ChatGPT just say that it's Christian, right? (laughs) Because it said we need to keep in mind. Wow, that's interesting. So that in itself was really interesting to me. I was like, wow, it it just came out and said it's Christian. Great. But here are the big things that it talked about. It's talked about the importance of human dignity, dealing with job displacement. Talked about the importance of truthfulness, meaning that if we use AI, it needs to be accurate and transparent. Talked about fairness to avoid unbiased decision making, such as using AI for hiring people. Talked about responsibility, meaning society, privacy, security. You know, is AI being too invasive? And also talked about stewardship, meaning energy consumption. So it was interesting how it was taking all these different aspects and how it was able to answer this question. And again, in that interesting way as well.
2: It's insightful. Thank you. So fast forward with me 10 years into the future. It's 2033. What does the world of marketing, storytelling and media look like after a decade of generative AI use?
1: So my response was, I have no idea. I <laughs> just know that it's going to look different than what we see now. I mean, again, when I think back in the day when I was in college and stuff, there was no job such as, you know, a social media manager, the thoughts of being able to have Google and do research there, I had no idea about. And so I don't know what it's going to look like. All I know is that I think it's going to look very different. I think job roles will change I think the way we do things will change but exactly how it's going to look I have no idea
2: <laughs> when I was in college we went to those library to do research yeah. <laughs> and I have kids my kids pictures of the card catalog of the microfiche and right. had to explain how those technologies worked and they were just in awe
0: like really
2: yeah. why would you
1: do that right
2: <laughs> it's
0: the changing world So my response to this, it's interesting that you're posing this question because I've actually have reached out to several different people and I pose the same question. I've asked them to create a one minute to two minute video, send it back to me because I'm trying to put it together for different responses from like different sectors, right? And this 10 year timeframe. The reason for the 10-year time frame is because NVIDIA recently came out and they said that within 10 years, based off of what they're doing, they're predicting that within 10 years, AI will be a million times more powerful than it is now. million times more capable. So that's like too abstract to even think about, right? So I've been asking people like, what about 100 times or a thousand times maybe? What would that look like? And it is getting really astronomical as far as capabilities is concerned. Because you're talking about more human-like? Well, it's passing all sorts of tests right now. In fact, we're sort of even changing the tests, right? It used to be this whole thing about, oh, the Turing test, that's the symbol to whether AI is that so advanced. Oh, now they're like, well, that doesn't count for learning language models, or we have to use a different type of test. So imagine if it was a million times more powerful Being able to create, being able to come across as very human, like with emotion, with understanding. Imagine if all the different limitations that we're talking about are completely removed and that's all very realistic. They're already talking about how the next implementation of Chat GPT is supposed to be able to look at image, be able to look at video, be able to interpret what goes on in the video. So I can give you a summary of the video going from text to speech, going from text to video and back all directions so it's really interesting when you start to take a step back and think about okay well what is there left for humans to do we still will have that emotional connection I think there is gonna be a growing market for things handmade, human made, human created, uh, human components, uh, all these different parts, as far as, well, this is structured around a real human as opposed to an AI, although it's gonna be that much harder to really tell because of the technologies dealing with deep fakes and all these other things. It's just gonna be so unbelievable. And it's exactly like what you were saying, Jen, is that it's very hard to really predict we can make some guesses, but predicting technology in the future, there's just so many new things that we're not even thinking about, new ways of doing things. It's, it's just going to be a whole new world. And to think that this will happen within 10 years is just unbelievable, really.
1: Yeah, it's like Mark Schaefer. He's a very well-known marketing guy. And I think on some of his posts, he has put 100% written by a human. And so, you know, who knows if we're going to start seeing more of that.
2: Right. <laughs> Made me looking at artisanal technology for too long. All right, last question. If somebody is interested in going deeper into generative AI, what resources would you recommend?
1: I would say, I mean, there is so much online and I would say the way you can learn more about it is get going right into it and testing it out, using different prompts, trying it out. I think that's probably one of the best ways that you can learn about it first is just doing it yourself. And then there are so many different people online talking about it with a lot of different ideas. And so do some searches, check it out. You'll learn quite a bit and you'll see a lot of differing opinions, which I think will also help you develop your own opinion, especially if you've allowed yourself and given yourself the time to actually go into the tools yourself and test it out for yourself.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree. I think getting your hands dirty, going in, playing with it, even if you're not very good at the very beginning, you'll start to see how it kind of works and start to learn more about it as far as thinking about how it actually works. So I would recommend trying to learn a little bit about AI in the back end. I mean, I'm not a computer nerd. I knew HTML back when that was a thing. But if you could start to learn a little bit about the back end, that'll help you to understand the front end. And then, like what you were saying too jen it's really important to not be siloed i mean i'm in education right so it's very easy for me to be okay if it doesn't pertain to education then i'm not even going to read it but no i need to be looking at different implementations of it you know how does marketing use it how does all these different industries use it because then that'll come back to me as far as oh we can do it this way or i didn't even think about it that way so getting full exposure from the people that you like from the people that you don't like why don't you like that? What are the reasons for that? And then also going into some of the ethical aspects, thinking about implementations, why we shouldn't do something, why we should use it. What are we losing if we use AI? Are we losing our humanity in certain aspects? Well, maybe we shouldn't use it for everything. Before ChatGPT came out, I was doing a lot of research in AI implementation in, in religion. As I was looking at uh, some of the interesting applications of it, the one thing that I saw that was looked cool, at least on some level, is this, it's called the Santo. And it was this little monk, anyway, it had this full AI in this little thing. And the idea was that you could take this to small towns and set it down and it would function as a religious facilitator. Mm. Because you could ask it a question and it would give you a biblical response. It would lead in Sunday school. It could lead in giving a sermon all these different things. Now, again, that's not the A answer. The A answer is to have a human, but on some small villages, some small towns where there's no church there, there's no religious leader. This was a way for, but again, you have to think about this. Are we losing our humanity if we're using a tool like that? So ethical considerations are really important. And that's something that everybody should start to look into when we're dealing with more and more advanced AI.
2: Well, I have certainly appreciated this conversation and gained some new insights from you guys. Appreciate the work and research that you are each doing and what you've contributed here to this conversation. If people want to follow up with you later, is there a way they can reach out to you?
1: Yeah, they can find me at Indiana Wesleyan University. If they just put in Dr. Jen Bennett, they'll find all of my information there, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn at Dr. Jen Bennett.
0: Yeah, I'm also definitely online. My YouTube channel, I'm trying to grow that some more. So if you look up Soverel, it's that's an Armenian word. It just means knowledge. Silverell and Brent Anders on YouTube, you'll find me. I'm also on LinkedIn, Brent Anders. And then also on Twitter. I'm pretty heavy on Twitter, Brent A. Anders. Yeah, And my university is American University of Armenia. So you can find me there too. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. one, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Thanks for joining us on Digital to Learn. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future.
1: Always keep learning.